Matt. Um, all right. Y'all look like we just talked to you about money. Um, got that look on your face. Well, that's it. Um, except uh, we're about to pass the, con the plates again. And I'm just kidding. We're not going to do that. <laughs> we're not Baptist. All right, so that's next week. <laughs> I'm just messing with my Baptist back corner over there. Um, okay, so uh, today we have um, we have a, a second part to what we did last week, which was last week uh, we watched Judas interact with the Messiah that he wasn't sure about. So Judas sees Jesus and doesn't doesn't think he's king, he just thinks he's a teacher. And he's not ready to make that commitment. And Judas betrayed Jesus. Peter argues with Jesus. Remember, when Jesus is sitting, they're sitting around the table, and Jesus says, um, y'all, you guys are going to deserve me too. Says, Judas got up, left, and said, you guys are going to deserve me too. And Peter says, Never! Peter's a Peter's a uh, Peter's obnoxious. We'll just say that um, he's the guy cutting off ears in gardens. Um, the <laughs> if you don't know that story, look it up. It's good. Um, he's he's uh, he's he's telling Jesus. Jesus comes in and says, starts to wash the disciples' feet, and Peter says, "Absolutely not." And Jesus says, "If you don't let me do this, you can't have any part of me." Peter says. Okay, wash my feet and my body and my face and everything. And Jesus says, I, I, just, just feet's fine, Peter. We started with feet, we're going to end with feet and not just settle down. There's, it's never in the Bible, but there's times Peter, Jesus had to say to Peter, just, just stop, just stop. Because he's that guy, he's the one who's like, I'll be the one, I'll do anything for you. And then, and then, Jesus says, all of you are going to deserve me. And Peter says, I will never deserve you. And Jesus says, back, you're going to deny, deny me three times. For the rooster crows, you will deny me three times. You will say you don't know me. Peter says, never. And we all know what happened. Actually, it's written in all four um, Gospels. And we're going to focus on Luke today. <coughs> Excuse me. Luke 22. Then seizing him, they led him away, seizing Jesus, and took him into the house of the high priest. Peter followed at a distance, and when some there had kindled a fire in the middle of the courtyard and had sat down together, Peter sat down with them. A servant girl saw him seated there in the firelight. She looked closely at him and said, This man was with him. But he denied it. Woman, I don't know him, he said. A little later, someone else saw him and said, You also are one of them. He says, man, I am not. Peter likes to tell you what gender he's talking to before he says anything. About an hour later. Now, notice he's, he's moving. You know, he's, he's, he goes, the other gospels say that he moved out to the, he moved from the courtyard out to the gates. And there they recognize him again. And about an hour later, another asserted, certainly this fellow was with him. For he is a Galilean. Another time, um, the, they say, we can tell by your accent. Because Peter was from up north. And he lived up north. He lived, he lived in Nazareth. He lived in Galilee. He lived in that area. 
And so for him to make, a, when he showed up in Jerusalem, he did not blend in, both with the way he looked, the way he dressed, and the way he spoke. He spoke a different dialect or a different, had a different accent. And so when they're like, hey, you're not one of us. He's like, oh, yes, I am. You know, and he, he, they know. They know, like, oh, you're a northerner. I know what you are. He said, hey, certainly, you're from Galilee. The man, Peter replied, man, I don't know what you're talking about. Just as he was speaking, the rooster crowed. The Lord turned and looked straight at Peter. Then Peter remembered the word the Lord had spoken to him. Before the rooster crows today, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and he wept bitterly. I think you're too hard on Peter right now. In this moment in the story, I don't think we should be the ones standing in Jesus' sandals and turning and looking at Peter or someone from the outside looking in at Peter and saying, oh wow, Peter denied Jesus. How could you do that? Well, it's pretty easy to do that. Because Jesus, Peter thought that Jesus was the Messiah. Peter thought Jesus was the one who was going to bring peace to the kingdom. And in his mind, it was the only way to do that was to just, let's take over. That's why when they come to arrest Jesus in the garden, Peter's the one drawing the sword. It's why Peter had a sword in the first place. So he draws the sword. He's ready to fight. He's ready to get back at those. Who are, who are trying to stop what Jesus is doing. And then it looks like it's all going to crumble. Notice, like, no one, no one thought, no one in Peter's day thought, well, when the Messiah comes, he's going to die on a cross and then be resurrected. No one thought that. We have the gift of hindsight to be able to look back and say, oh, well, that's what happened. So therefore, Peter must have known. But on that day, in the dark, when there's soldiers... And there's people making points and accusations. You can see where you'd say, oh, no, no. Some of you have done this with your children. Where you've been in a public place. And they're acting like lunatics. And you're like, this isn't even who I thought them People are like, whose kids are these? You say, I don't know. We should find out. <laughs> when, when someone isn't what you thought they were supposed to be, <coughs> confusion, apprehension is normal. For Peter to sit, and notice Peter was one of the, he was the only one who followed close. Everyone else is just outside the gates. Peter walked in close enough to see Jesus. And Peter is accused. He just doesn't know what to do. There was a second time Peter was accused. It was in the day on the day of Pentecost. Peter says, they, they start speaking. And, and they, everyone who hears them hears them in their own language. And Peter is accused. They say, oh, it's, he's drunk. 
when you're accused, sometimes the feelings are the same, no matter whether it's true that you did the thing or it's not true. Has any of you walked out of Walmart and the thing beeped at you like you're like you're stealing something? And I don't know about you, but I I know my face clearly says I've stolen something. Like I know, like I'm trying so hard. I'm like, hey, it's a normal thing. I don't know why my voice is getting higher, but I didn't steal anything. Just, I know, I just panic. And I'm like, I'll show you my receipt, and here's my social security card, and I don't... Because even when I'm accused of something, I feel the feeling of, of guilt. I feel the feeling, ah, you know what? And that may be just because I'm a good Church of Christ kid. I'm like, oh yes, I'm guilty, I'm sure. But, When someone accuses you, you've got to decide whether or not you're going to fight through that accusation and stand up for what you believe is to be true or not. And in the, in the, in the, in the gate, in the outer courtyard, Peter did not fight through the accusation. Because it was true. And he still didn't fight it. Now, to be honest with you, I think it's because he didn't, he didn't know if it was worth it. Because if the Messiah is standing in there arrested, and there's a good chance he's going to get crucified or stoned, he's going to die. Is this really the Messiah? I don't think that's a bad question for Peter to be wrestling with at this time. I actually think it's a legit question. Because for, in Peter's mind, the Messiah is supposed to look like something else. The Messiah is supposed to be victorious. The Messiah is supposed to enter in and triumph. But here he, we've entered in and it felt like triumph, but they didn't, it didn't take. We're in a courtyard surrounded by guards and there's chains and there's evil intent. Is this really the Messiah? I'd hazard to guess that at that point Peter didn't know. So he's saving his own skin. But in Acts, but in Acts 2, on the day of Pentecost, there stands Peter and they say, You are toxic. Peter's answer is probably my favorite in the Bible. Not because it is just funny that he didn't say, no, I wouldn't do that. It's No, it's 10 in the morning. Why in the world would I do that at 10? Check me later. He didn't say that. Not because of that. Because his answer was bold and proclamation about who really is king. My favorite verse in all the scripture is when Peter says in Acts 2.36, he proclaims to all these people that this Jesus, whom you crucified, is now Lord and Savior. That's the gospel for Peter. 
And these people, having no idea how these people would respond, there's way more of them than there are than there is of them, of Peter and his disciple and the, the, the people who are with him. There's way more people in the crowd. And if they turn on him, they all could die. They all could die the same death Jesus died. It's not safe anymore. It's still not safe. Jesus is already dead. They, they've already crucified Jesus. And not a ton of people know he's resurrected. But for Peter, Peter knows. And something changed between the courtyard and Pentecost. And that was the resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth, the Christ, the Messiah, the Savior. And your role in life is after the resurrection. You know, you know Jesus is alive. When we get baptized, that's what we're proclaiming. We're proclaiming that the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus changes everything, not just about our sins, but about our death and about our future. We know that Jesus conquered death and sin for us. We know that. So no matter what we're facing, no matter what we're looking at, no matter how daunting it is, I know that Jesus is Lord. And that the times in the past was when I wasn't sure, the times in the past when I failed, the times in the past when I didn't do what God called me to do, and I just, I was a coward. Because I was unsure. That we follow a king, we worship a savior, when we decide, oh wait, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm done with this, I've mourned this, I'm moving on, Jesus lets us move on. I've repented, Jesus lets us repent. Jesus is not that horrible friend who reminds you of your brokenness. He's a wonderful king who leads you to the king. So we, we have hope in that King. The one who lets us repent, the one who lets us grieve, the one who encourages us through his death, burial, and resurrection to be brave. If it's true, and I believe it is, it should change everything about how we see the next day and the next day. The people in front of me matter because Jesus is alive. The things Jesus said matter because Jesus is alive. And if, I'm, a, I'm a big believer that Peter, if Jesus wouldn't have resurrected, we wouldn't have any of this. Jesus would be a footnote in history. But it's his resurrection that validates the crucifixion, that validates the teachings. It's, and, and it's the thing that allowed Peter to say, I've seen him alive. I'm walking forward. I'm preaching to this crowd that may turn on me. I'm telling them that they're the ones that crucified Jesus. And now he's the king and Lord. And what are they going to do about it? Because what they said was, what are we going to do about it? You remember that? That's Acts 2.37. The men, they all looked at each other and said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And Peter said, repent. And if any man, if any man 
on in that place knows what repentance is. It's the one standing in front of the people proclaiming a Savior he denied. Jesus, Peter's not telling the crowd to repent. Just to say, we'll see you're guilty and we should all feel guilt and shame and just feel awful. No, Peter's, Peter's repentance has led him to that place to say, you guys repent and be immersed into Jesus, into the waters of baptism. And you will receive forgiveness of sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Peter says, what I have, you can have. What God's given me, you can have it. And shouldn't that be our message? Shouldn't we be able to stand in front of people and say, the life you see me live is the life you could live if you had the Holy Spirit. If you found the freedom of repentance and the, and the, and the salvation of baptism, the, the beauty of Jesus on the cross, you, you will see a resurrected Savior affect your life. But they're not going to see that until it's a life worth repeating. Until they see you unafraid of the consequences of standing up and giving in to Jesus and the call of Christ. Today's your day. You don't have to wait 50 days like Peter did. You don't have to wait to, to, to make your mark. Today is the day you've been grieving, you've been sad, you've repented, you feel shame. There's no need. We don't got time for shame in the kingdom of God. Stand up, move forward, proclaim Him as King. Give Jesus your all today. Whether you, you, you need to give your life to Jesus and immerse in, in the waters of baptism into His death, burial, and resurrection. Or you need prayers from the church and support from the church to help you do that. We are not a group of people who when you come from, down front are going to be thinking, wow, I wonder what they did. We are, we are going to think, how can we help them? And if you need prayers from the church, feel no shame. Just walk forward. It's called bravery when you take those steps. Whatever you need today, please come forward. Obviously.